Well, my name is Chad Puckett. We've, if we haven't had a chance to meet, it, I am one of the pastors here, and it's just a joy to get to serve here in Yukon, be with you. Uh, I would truly love the opportunity to meet you, to buy you a cup of coffee or, or just sit down at some point and, and hear how you ended up with us today and, and how we can kind of help you along the road. So uh, we mean that when we say it. It's something that matters to us when we talk about what's going on with this couple. They matter to us and people matter to us. We, we want to actually walk with people. Uh, we're in the middle of a, a, a series where we're walking through the book of Mark. And we're several weeks into that. But today, because of getting to send this couple, we are pulling aside for one week. And maybe you noticed that we read from Acts. We're going to be reading from the book of Acts. And, and this sermon is uh, about that. And we'll be in Acts chapter 20. We'll start in verse 17 and we'll read through the rest of the chapter. So if you have your Bible with you, um, you could just jump right there. Apologies if you have the Mark journal and that's what you brought today. But everything that we do will be up on the screen. And so you can follow along with us. In order to kind of step into this moment, in order to step in right here, what I want to do is just kind of throw out this, this trap that I see. A trap that many of us fall into, that many of us walk into. And, and you don't have to just be a person of faith or, or a person who calls yourself a Christian to fall in this trap. This is one that is pretty universal across the board. So it's, it's the trap of trying to just reduce life, reduce things to a do's and a don'ts list. And we do this in a lot of ways. But one of the things that we end up doing is like, uh, am I, do my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds? And it's how so many of us try to make it through. And we try to get to the end of the day uh, where our, our hopefully our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds. And we're just like, man, at the end of the day, I'm just hoping. And I, I have friends, I have Muslim friends, and that is their life. I, I have people who would say that they're agnostic and atheist, and that's how they're living their life. I have friends who go to church all the time, and that is how they're living their life. This trap of just trying to have our, our do's and our don'ts, and we weigh that out. And, and we, we, if, as long as I know that list and, and the, the do's are, are higher than the don'ts, then I should be good, right? Except that that isn't the gospel. It's not the gospel. The good news of Jesus is that like, we're hopelessly flawed people in need of a savior. Of one who brings their righteousness to our brokenness. And so if we fall into that trap, then it doesn't really matter what religion or what church you're a part of. If we fall into that trap, we're just off course throughout everything. And a Sunday like this makes no sense. A Sunday like this where we're, we're talking about like sending uh, our right arm out and saying, uh, take our right arm and, and with joy we send that. Something like this makes no sense if it's just a, if church and faith is just a do's and don'ts. And so in this, we, we want to step and see, like, actually what the gospel is calling to us, what Jesus is calling us to, is something much more beautiful. He's saying, look at what I've done. See Jesus. And when you see Jesus, and when you see what he has done and what he is doing, that that changes everything. It changes the entire relationship. 
It changes why we go to church. It changes why we, why we talk to our neighbors. It changes why we do anything. It changes it from just trying to accumulate the right things and avoid the wrong things. It changes our entire perspective on life into something far more beautiful where we say, Jesus, you have my yes, and I'm willing to go and uproot my life to North Carolina or to the ends of the earth. And so I just want to ask you to pray with me in this. I, I want to ask you just to stop for a second and, and pray with me. This isn't just for other people. This is like my own heart that I would say, God, help me to see you. And so Jesus, we need you. I need you. I think these people need you. I think all of us know religion pretty well. We know how to keep rules and we, we know how to try to earn something from others. And what we need is to see you clearly this morning, Jesus. We need, we need you to, to form us and to change us beyond what our habits might do. God, reform us. Help us to, to see and to worship you for who you are. And I pray, God, that you'd meet us in that today. Meet us in what we're carrying. I pray for fresh grace today for people who feel burdened and beat down. I, I pray for your, your spirit to rest on us and, and to truly uh, do what only you can do, which is to bring life where there is none. Bring hope where it feels dark and dry. And God, surprise us with your grace today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So like I said, we're stepping out of Mark today. We're stepping into Acts for one Sunday to talk around why are we sending out loved ones? Why are we doing this? It's, on, it's actually on this banner back there. We talk about all the time, love God, love people, and push back darkness. And right at the beginning of that is this phrase in which we say we're multiplying. We're multiplying gospel communities to do those things. That's what we want to do. And so I want to just kind of frame out and put kind of two stakes in the ground. Think of it as a plumb line. Think of it as like, this is how we know we're heading in the right direction. These are the, the, the plumb lines that will help us to navigate through all of this. It, it's different than an outline to a sermon, but these are just like anchor points that kind of go with us every single day of the week. It's guiding principles for us. You can see the first, you can see what that is. It's, it's what is a disciple? It's asking that question. We talk about being a follower of Jesus. And what does that even mean? It means being a disciple, someone who is learning and seeing Jesus and following Jesus in this. It's, it's one who is increasingly submitting more and more of their life to the empowering presence and lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus, increasingly submitting. It doesn't mean that you're a finished product. It doesn't mean that you have it all together. It doesn't mean that you have all the answers. It doesn't mean any of that. It means that you are growing as someone who just says, God, more of you and less of me. God, your spirit filling me, your power and your presence at work in my life. And you, Jesus, are Lord. You have all of it. That's what we're talking about when we, when we talk about being a disciple. And then the second piece is like, what is the church? What is, what is the church to be? Because there are churches everywhere, right? There are churches uh, around the world. But what is it and how do we know if we're actually a church in the image of Christ? 
Well, we would, we would look like him. We would do what he says. We, an authentic church imitates Jesus in word and deed. And that's what we want to do. We want to be raising up disciples who are a church full of people who are imitating Jesus. These are the things that we're going after all the time. This informs our conversation through the week. This informs what we do and what we don't do. This is, this is where we want to be. And what we, what we want to see is that a church that is raising up disciples and then sending them out is, is not abnormal. It's actually the normal way that the Bible lays out. This is who we are. This is what we want to be. This is what we want to be doing. And so I want you to just dive in with me. Acts 20. We're in Acts 20. We'll pick it up in verse 17. And we'll, we'll see this account of Paul, the Apostle Paul, writer of much of the New Testament, the, the, guiding, the, the one guiding so many churches at, at the very foundation of this, this Apostle Paul who met Jesus, who actually persecuted Christians and, and ran off and persecuted them. Hunter of Christians had his life radically turned around. And why? Because he saw Jesus. He saw Jesus. And it changed everything. And so this is, this is Paul, and we pick it up verse 17. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And, and when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. Now catch this. Catch what's happening here. Uh, Paul has planted and formed this church in Ephesus. And now he calls the elders to this town, Miletus. He calls them out to Miletus. And that's, that's actually something that we need to catch because it's really important. Miletus is like 30 miles away. Miletus is not a, a close little crawl out there. This is a time of walking. This is a time where it takes time to journey out to this. This is a couple days journey for these people and these elders out here. Why Miletus? Why is this important to us? Is, is Miletus is a harbor city. Miletus is on the coast. And Paul is going to tell them he's leaving. This is, this is really important for us. We get this example from Paul. We get this example in Scripture where we see Paul, founding, uh, founding pastor of this church, one of the beginning uh, people in this, one of those named here at the beginning of this church. And, and he gathers the elders around and he gathers them and says, it's time for me to go. We've got to ask ourselves uh, just kind of what's going on in this. He starts with a, a brief description of his time in, in the Ephesus and what that looked like, how he carried himself. But here he is with him. And notice where he goes in verse 22. This is where he says, And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and, aff and afflictions await me. Friends, paint this picture in your head. Here is this church. Here's this, this little church in Ephesus. I, I, we read and see 
Ephesians in this church. And you can, you can walk through the ruins today and see this place. But at the time, here is this baby church going through all sorts of things, uh, good and bad, difficult, everything that you can imagine. This church is experiencing right here at the beginning of it. Paul's walked with them for approximately two and a half years. Historians tell us that Paul was there for about two and a half years. And now he's gathered these, these people on the beach and he, he has something to tell them. I've got to go. God's calling me to something else. This is a friend. This is a loved one. This is one who is truly carrying weight in this church. This is one who is, is forming and helping form people. This is one, I don't know if Paul was leading worship, but like Paul was doing a lot in, Ephes- in Ephesus. And I, I have to believe like those, those elders were like, what's going on? How are we going to uh, carry on in this? And what we see is Paul leading them. He gives, he gives several things here. He, he'll go on to warn them. He'll go on to give them things to pay attention to. He will go on. I mean, he loves this place so much that he continues to shepherd them and, and help them in the days after he leaves. This is Paul right in this moment. And what we see and what we catch is that as Paul calls, calls them together to say goodbye, that saying goodbye is actually a really healthy part of the body of Christ. Saying goodbye isn't something that we should avoid. It's actually something that is a revealer of health. It's actually something that is good for us. And you have to ask yourself, like, why? Why is this a good thing? Why is it good for Paul to leave that church and to go someplace else? Wouldn't it be better if Paul stayed? Like, what on earth? Like, what is making him leave these people? And praise God, we have it right in the text. Paul uses this one kind of odd word, and he puts it right in this text that we have, and he says that he is constrained by the Spirit. He's bound by the Spirit. His intentions, his heart, his longings are bound by this calling that God has put on his heart. And we see that with Paul. He's like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I love you. I'm for you. This church is not a complete thing. There's so much more work to do. And there are going to be hard days ahead. But there are also going to be beautiful days ahead. And, and here it is. Like, the Spirit has put this on me that I have to go. That I have to go. And we get it right there. He's constrained by this. And what I want us to see is that like seeing Jesus and seeing what Jesus is doing and him continually looking to Jesus actually changes and forms him in ways that he probably couldn't have anticipated. He, he probably couldn't ha- have, have seen this coming. And yet Paul's mission is to make disciples. He wants to finish. He wants to finish this calling. He wants to finish this race that God has given him. And he wants to make disciples. And and this isn't just for Paul. And it isn't just for the boroughs either. Read with me the, the normal, everyday, no exception call for the followers of Jesus. We find this at the very end of Matthew. You're probably familiar with it, but at the very end, the actual last words of Matthew are these. And Jesus came and said to them, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority has been given to me. Verse 19, go, therefore. That therefore, like why? Because he has all the authority. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, I don't want to assume that that everybody knows this passage. <laughs> I don't want I don't, I don't want to just assume it, though I'm going to go run really fast through here. This is called the Great Commission. This is Jesus post-crucifixion, post-resurrection, Jesus appearing to the disciples and the followers, and Jesus comes to them and gathers them, and his, his words to them in this moment, this monumental moment, are, all authority has been given to me, go. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Go implies ascending. <laughs> Go implies a leaving. And there's not, a, there's not like a qualifier put on this to who this is for. This is like, if you are a follower of Jesus, this is for you and for me. And yet the, the familiarity of a passage like this, maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you've seen it crocheted on different things. Maybe you've seen it in all different types of ways. But the familiarity of a passage like this leads us to kind of acknowledge and say these things or, or, or where we can get really comfortable with just being like, yes, Jesus, and then not following Jesus. We can acknowledge and, and affirm it and be really happy about these things and then not actually do these things. And yet what I, what I want us to see and why I, I led us for just a second out of Acts into Matthew is that you would see that there's a calling not just on Paul and not just on this family, but on your family and my family to be senders or to be goers. And there's, there's no in between. And friends, that might change at different times. But we're always sending or we're going. We're always saying, God, you have my yes, and I'll follow wherever you lead. You have every bit of it. You have it. We are constrained to you. You have every bit of that. And, and what that leads to is that we're going to have more goodbyes. We're going to have more goodbyes. We're going to have more times where we, we say, man, I sense and see it. I've heard from you. Uh, like this moment, and God's leading you in this direction. And I want you to know, friend, like we are here with you. What Josh said on the video is you have our sword and you have our shield. And we'll send you. But it's more than just a goodbye, isn't it? God calls us to love deeply and to hold one another with open hands. With open hands. Where we're not just trying to close it in and say, how many people can we pack into someplace? How many people can we do this? We're actually saying, God, form us as disciples and, and we want to be people who are following you wherever you lead, whatever that looks like. Paul knows that it's not just him saying goodbye, it's him stepping in to difficulties. 
And, and we've got to catch this for, to understand what's going on. We've got to catch this part of it because what we get at the end of, of our passage here in Acts is, is we get Paul saying, I'm constrained to go, and the only thing I know about what awaits me is that it is full of affliction and difficulties. It's imprisonment and it is affliction, which is uh, like one way of saying, like, I don't really know if this is going to work. I don't know where this leads. I just know that God has put it on my heart and I have, I have to follow him. The question like comes up, like who does this? How do you leave? Like with the only thing that you know is it leads straight to prison and it leads straight to pain. How do you, how do you actually go into something like this? Well, like friends, it goes back to our plumb lines. Only someone with a purpose bigger than themselves would step into that. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to shoot straight with you. Someone just trying to keep a list of do's and don'ts would never step into this. Someone just trying to keep a ledger sheet of I'm, I'm, just, I'm better than those people. I, I, I show up regularly. I, I'm trying to do the best I can. I try to watch my mouth and I, I don't have visible sin. Like, it's not gonna make any sense. It's also not what you were called to. The one who responds, the one who says, Jesus, you have my yes and you're worth everything, is the one who is increasingly submitting all of life to the empowering presence and lordship of Jesus. And who sees God as worth everything. Everything. Notice where Paul goes. He goes right here. He goes to verse 24. Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he says, but I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. Like all of those things have changed. If only I may, fi I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. You see, everything was reformed for it. And this isn't a one-time deal. This wasn't the, the prepared speech that Paul has for these people. This wasn't just him trying to come up with good words and, and something flowery to say. He wasn't trying to get a hashtag or a tweet and somehow to turn viral in any of this. It, Paul is simply like recounting everything in me is about God finishing what you've given me. Finishing my race. See, this is a mark on Paul's life, a mark of longing for faithfulness, that at the end of the day, who do I want to be? I want to be a man who is faithful to God because he's worthy. And in Philippians, he says, he says to them, he says, like, even if my life is being poured out, even if everything in me is being poured out for those around you, it's worth it, God. It is worth it totally. At the end of Romans, he says, he says this, he says, like, make sure, like, your life, that it would be a living sacrifice, that that would be your worship, that you're not just trying to count do's and don'ts, that you're actually making your life a living sacrifice in everything you do. Paul is, is stepping into it. This, this marks him, and 2,000 years later, it is still the mark of a follower of Christ. 
lives poured out, living sacrifices for God. People saying, God, I simply want to finish the race. I want to finish. I want to be faithful to what you've called me to. And friends, in that, we have a repeating pattern. We see it again and again. We see it again and again in scripture and we see it again and again in history. Is that as Christ is building his church, he brings people together for a season to accomplish the kingdom works. I worked it with college ministry for a long time. And one of the things that I recognized was like, like we're not trying to keep them together forever. We get them for a season. And actually the worst thing that I could have done to these college students was I actually try to, to force them to stay. To force them to stay. It could form me in a lot of ways because it was really beautiful is that we got this brief time together and we didn't know. And for some of those people, they're still in our life. Some of those people are in our church. Like some of those people, it's just, it's like super beautiful that we still get to do life together. But so many of them, God is, has planted in other places. And we simply hold it with open hands and say, God, what we want to do is form disciples and help people to walk in faithfulness. So some stay together to nurture the work while others are called out to start even new works and to, to be a part of those and build up and strengthen other churches. And, and get this, like saying goodbye is about so much more than just being ascending church. Saying goodbye is about imitating Jesus. You see, this Sunday, what we're doing today, while we're pulling aside from Mark and actually talking about sending, is as much about you and I as it is about the boroughs. They are examples to follow as Paul is an example to follow. But even, even Paul says, look to Jesus. In Paul's letter to Corinth, in his, his first letter to the church in Corinth, what he says in chapter 11 is this. He's a, as crystal clear as he can be. He says, be imitators of me. Paul is saying, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Church, the burrows leaving us is not a rejection of us. It's them imitating Christ. It's them imitating Christ. This church has been meeting for nearly a year. But what you may not know is that the work to plant this church has been happening for a long time. Long before this, I stepped in uh, several years ago and, and right there at my side with my wife and I and, and a team of people that were already living here and a part of it, you saw many of them up here praying, but right there from the beginning were Blake and Marissa. And in many times and in many ways, in, in so many things that maybe you'll never know of, Blake and Marissa have poured out their lives for this place, for us, for me, for you, in ways that you may ne have never even recognized. You might not know them personally, and that's okay. That's okay. But they have laid down their lives 
And this church has been blessed by it. God's knit our families together, knit our lives together, knit us together in ways that are really beautiful to where in our family we use the term bonus family. We, we call them our own, our very own, flesh and blood. And so I'll, I'll speak for them for just a second and just say like they leave with deep love and excitement for you and what God is doing here in this place. But they also feel deeply constrained by a calling to keep planting. We started talking about this in November, I believe. And where we sat down and, and they said, I don't know what God's doing, but I sense he's doing something in us for North Carolina. And we started praying about it and they, they started asking God just these same things of saying, God, I don't know what this is, but we're willing to do whatever you have for us. And so we, we get to send them today with tears and with great joy. Friends, following Jesus is more beautiful than just having a do's and don'ts list. But it's also, it's also full of tears at times. And it, it stings. And so we love you. But this day of sending them and this story of Paul saying goodbye uh, are, are but echoes of the real story, of the biggest story. And then when uh, Paul is just an example of, of what we get to see, Jesus left heaven. Jesus stepped out of heaven and he came here and Jesus gave of himself in massive ways and he said, it's all worth it for you. And then he sacrificed himself for men and women and boys and girls that they would know him know him. And when Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, this is what he's speaking to. That we would lay down our lives for one another. And this is what is so hard to catch if we're just in the habit of coming to church and trying to find the do's and don'ts list. If we're just here running straight into that trap, we'll never actually see the beauty of this. We'll never get what's actually happening. That we're both sad to see this precious family leave us, but we're also thrilled to send them and to see what's happening in North Carolina. That we'll, a piece of us goes to Fayetteville, North Carolina, and they carry a piece of us with them to that place. It, it makes no sense if all we're here is just running through some religious practices. In Acts, what we see, this chapter in Acts leads them out to the beach, out to the harbor. And with tears, they, they gather, they pray, they send. They do these very things that we've been doing today. But their tears were the evidence of a treasured friendship that they were doing more than just being coworkers. That they were doing more than just being church members who gathered in the same spot. Their tears were evidence of something deep that God was doing in them. How he'd knit them together. And their parting of ways was evidence of lives increasingly submitted to the lordship of Jesus. Their saying goodbye was a mark of health. I'm certain, I'm certain, it's not in the text, but I'm certain they did not feel ready to send them, to send Paul. And yet, this beautiful moment was for them. So to those who are here, 
and you're wrestling with Jesus, and I'm not even sure if I believe in Jesus, and what are we doing having this whole day that we pulled aside? To those that are here who are wondering what all this church stuff is about, and what, is Jesus really any different, or is he just going to give me another list? I, I would say to you that what, what we're doing this morning is trying to show you God, God's great love and how he forms us, and what he does in people. And seeing God changes everything. It changes everything. What we see right here is God rescuing two people. Shifting their values. Shifting what means to mean something to them. Shifting even their home. And shifting everything. And what we see right before us is a couple who said, God, you're worth it. You're worth it. How God makes lives count. He did this in Paul's life and he did this in others and he can do this in your life. If you're here wondering what church is about, it is about us loving deeply and following after God with all of our hearts. It's about God opening our eyes to something that matters far more uh, than just the time and the space in which we gather to our preferences around songs or carpet or whatever. Uh, There's far more than all of the trappings of church that seeing God changes everything. It changes everything. And to this church, to those here that would say, I I do follow God, I want to follow God, I, I, I am a believer in what he has done. To this church sending this precious family, I would remind you that God is good And this is exactly who we want to be. We want to send our best. We want to send our closest. We want to send the dearest people in our lives. We want to send, if God is laying it on your heart, we want to send, and I hope for more. I hope for more, and I hope it always stings. Friends, I say this not to, like, build a statue for the burrows. We're not trying to do that today. We're actually trying to point you to Jesus. But it's worth imitating the burrows and how they've held their hands open and said, God, lead me. And I would ask you to imitate the burrows and say, God, you're worth everything. And I would ask you to, to imitate Paul. As Paul says, I am constrained by the Lord. I want to finish my race. And I would say, imitate Paul in that. But more than anything, what we want you to do and what we want you to feel and what we want you to step into is that you would imitate Jesus. And say, God, I'm not who I want to be. And I desperately need you for all of it.